the Blackout Podcast. Hi, Cassie. Hi. Thanks for coming to my podcast today. Thank you uh, for having me. First off, I want to start with what were you building yesterday? Oh, in the studio up in the valley. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Um, yesterday, I was at the studio DevoFX, um, and we were doing a life cast of um, a, a gentleman that wanted to work on a certain cosplay. And so to do that, we had to cover his entire torso, head and arms in alginate which is what you use to make molds of um, for dentures, for dental dentures at a dentist. Okay. They flood the plates, shove in your mouth, you have a mold of your teeth. We were doing the exact same thing to him. So then when we fill that alginate mold with um, ultracal, which is similar to plaster, we have this positive version of him that we can then sculpt prosthetics on, make costumes right off that mold. So then when it's done, he just puts it on like... He just puts it on. Is it like a suit of some kind? Well, it depends on what he wants. Okay. Um, since I think it is a bit of a secret project, not oh, to say oh, what it is. Oh, okay, okay, but the okay. process behind it is once we have the mold, we fill it with plaster, ultracal, then we have a positive, almost like a sculpture, a maquette of him to every measurement. That's true. So from that sculpture of him, we can then add clay on. We can change his appearance drastically, then remold that piece. And then he has a perfect, you know, it could be a mask. It could be um, a prosthetic wound, um, a nose, a chin that's different, but it fits perfectly to his measurements. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, How long does it take to harden the the alginate? Alginate. um, It kind of all depends. Um, if the water that you're using to mix with the alginate is warmer, it tends to cure quicker. Yeah. So I'll say for the head cast that we did, um, you start with the alginate. We did it in two halves. The alginate probably takes about safely, we'll say, eight-ish minutes to do its thing. Mm-hmm. But then we add a layer of plaster bandage over top mm. to kind of add like a nice secure shell. So once you add that to, I'd say... Both sides, two layers, is probably close to thirty minutes in total. Mm. So he has to sit absolutely still, or like, yes. oh my geez, as still as possible. <laughs> <laughs> and then the breathing thing—that yes. was the one that freaks me out. Like, yeah, it kind of makes me like I'm—I'm I'm that person that would probably freak out. I haven't had it done yet to me. I do it to other people, but um, basically, we leave little tiny nose holes um, in the mold so he can breathe. If okay. he is feeling he or she, whoever's having it done, is feeling nervous, we mm. will ask the actor to um, relax their mouth and leave their mouth open too, and we can make at work okay. with the mouth open. Um, and the eyes? The eyes are completely covered. Your ears are completely covered too. <laughs> oh, wait, 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 wait. Doesn't it go in? It goes in a little bit. Then what's great about the ears is then you have a mold of your ears too. So we can make elf ears. We can make your ears have like dumb ears. But like in, in your ear? A little bit in the ear, yeah. <laughs> so you can't really hear what's happening. You can't see what's happening. You can't say anything. <laughs> I jumped the gun. So tell us a bit about yourself. Um, my name's Cassie. Um, I moved to Halifax about five years ago to go to NASCAD University. Um, I'm originally from the South Shore, from a little town called Shelburne. And um, when I came to NASCAD, I originally had it set in my mind that I was going to be a tattoo artist. And that's that's it. That's my <laughs> calling. I'm going to be a tattoo artist. And I was going to specialize actually in burn victims and people that had scars, kind of like covering scars with tattooing. Oh, oh okay. Kind of like a, almost like cosmetology in some ways, too. Mm. 
Um, and then when I got to NASCAD, I realized I kind of hated painting all of a sudden. <laughs> I didn't like painting on canvas anymore. Um, but I did start playing with clay. Mm. And with clay, it kind of opened up this new window of, oh, working 3D. This is really fun. I can um, get proportions more accurate than I can drawing with clay, though. Mm. Um, and that kind of led into me going into the illustration program at NASCAD. And my professor in the illustration program was very accepting that illustration was not just pen and paper. Mm -hmm. So I told my professor I was interested in character design, creature design, but I didn't like drawing it. And he was very open-minded to me sculpting these characters instead. So I started making little dolls, poseable dolls, which then led into using these poseable dolls for stop-motion animation. Oh, God, I hate stop-motion. I love it. No, no, wait, here's the thing. (laughs) I love watching Mm stop-motion. I hate the whole process of making it. It's like you spend, I don't know, 50 hours to do two minutes of work. Yep. 12 (laughs) frames per second. Yeah. Yeah, that's I went from illustration into the animation program, started doing stop motion with puppets that I built. Love that. I love the hands on part of it. I can't figure out technology and computer stuff to save my life. So, Wait, so you literally take each photo. Yes. Oh, I thought you. Oh, wow. Yeah. OK, that's when I made the puppets. I helped build the set. My um, one of my friends and classmates, she helped with the set and figuring out cameras and whatnot. And I think we. Pulled an all-nighter, put about 53 hours into it. What was the film called? I don't... We didn't really name it. It's about, <laughs> about a little goat named Steve that goes into the woods to have a picnic, and he encounters a dragon, <laughs> and they become friends. <laughs> that was the animation. So he builds both characters. Were there other yeah. characters in the film? Uh, pardon? Uh, so it was the goat and the dragon. Did you build any other characters for the film? I built them. Huh. They're all out of wire armature, latex. How big were they? The dragon was probably about a foot in length. Hmm. Um, he had wings and whatnot, so he could flap, he could walk, open and close his mouth. Um, the goat was probably a whole, like, three inches high. <laughs> he walked <laughs> with two legs, and he's pretty cute. What were their colors? Uh, the goat was just a little white billy goat kind of guy, and the dragon was like a teal green and yellow okay. with feathers too. He was a weird dragon. <laughs> and um, so why I didn't even know about the tattoo of the born victims thing. I didn't even think of that. Why was there a particular reason that was something you really wanted to do? I think originally um, growing up, I was interested in tattooing, and it was one of those things. I feel like it's becoming a little more accepted now. People with tattoos is more common now, but it is something that I was trying to figure out how can I make this into something that's a little more acceptable? Mm -hmm. I wanted it to be, I didn't want it to be known as like a tattoo scratcher. Like a scratcher is kind of like a word for someone that's just doing it off like a kitchen counter with like a bad setup. I wanted to make sure I came off as professional. And when I found out about um, women that had breast cancer um, that had breast removed, they are having the nipple tattooed back on. I thought, that's really cool. That's really interesting. And my mom is actually a breast cancer survivor. So that sparked the interest. And I did start pursuing that. I did get a tattoo kit, you know, experimented a little bit. But it just wasn't clicking as much as I thought it was going to. Mm. And then when I got to university, it just... Everything changed from there. And so so you got into this program, you built your puppets, you did your stop motion. How did that 
go from that into cosplay? That's interesting. Um, I think I went to Halcon, I think my second year I was in Halifax. I fell in love with it. And I just kind of put in the back of my mind. And then when it was coming up closer again, I thought, I can do that too. I can do that. Oh, you weren't, um, you didn't <laughs> have any cosplay. I didn't okay. do any cosplaying until one year I decided, I'm going to do it. And, but then I thought, well, while I'm working on this costume, I'm going to be overwhelmed with schoolwork too. So I went to the fashion um, professor at NASCAD, his name's Gary, and I said, hey, do you want to do an independent study where I build a cosplay and I get grades for it? He said, yes, I'll take you on. We set up the program at NASCAD and I built a cosplay and got credits for it in university. And it really sparked the big interest of what else can I do? (laughs) Oh, wow. Um, Do you remember what that first one was? That one? um, I did. I guess I technically might have done one before that, but it wasn't as it's just kind of experimental. It was before Mm -hmm. the big spark happened. The one that I did for the independent study, um, her name was Undying, the Undying. And she's this really cool, um, badass blue mermaid lesbian knight. (laughs) (laughs) Like she's everything. (laughs) She wears this really cool suit of armor. She has scales and gills and like fish ears and stuff. She's really cool. And I just decide, you know, I've never done this before. So let's do everything in one. Let's do sewing, <laughs> foam, prosthetic makeup, wig maintenance, all in one. And it was a blast. It was an absolute blast. And that really motivated me to keep pushing it. So, <laughs> <Love> it. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I, it was a very ambitious project building as the first one. Do you <laughs> like tackling, um, interesting projects like that is that just your nature i throw myself into it i just <laughs> yeah i'm like i'm my own worst enemy when it comes to that i just throw myself in the project i can do that and then i <laughs> deal with the consequences of like oh god i actually have no idea what i'm doing let's figure it out <laughs> and where do you source the material because you said like for that one you had to do wig and foam mm-hmm. and all that so Canadian Tire is a great place what? to start, um, especially for foam. If you're doing foam armor, okay. um, you buy the, um, they're called anti-fatigue mats. And they're kind of like what you lay down on a gym floor. Oh. And they're foam. Um, it's like 20 bucks for a huge roll. So I get some of that. Um, contact cement, power tools from Canadian Tire. Um, just a bunch of different hardware. Um, when it comes to paint, I do believe for that project is mostly dollar store paint mm. that I use because it was cheap and it worked. Yeah. Um, fabric. Thankfully, we do have some we have some good fabric stores in the area. So I think I sourced mostly from Atlantic Fabrics. They had a good selection of more cheaper fabric. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the wig was, I do believe, ordered from what was it? AliExpress. I didn't know much about wigs back then. Okay. And so I didn't want to spend, you know hundred plus dollars on a wig and then not really know what I'm doing. I'd rather start out with a cheaper wig and just accept that as a cheaper wig and make it work somehow. Mm -hmm. So I try to source a lot of local materials as much as I can, but then sometimes you do have to online shop. (laughs) (laughs) So do you have like a studio? Where do you work? Um, I, I work with Neptune theater and I work for Devo effects. So theater and film. Um, Devo FX is located in Greenwood, which is up in the valley. Oh, that's far. That is far, <laughs> yes. Because uh, <laughs> when, um, I think last year there was the plane, you know, they do this 
plane yeah. thing and it was at Greenwood base, yeah. and I'm like okay yeah sure we'll go and he was just was just driving forever yeah. it's about an hour and a half yeah. you know if you're going the speed limit it's an hour and a half <laughs> and so it's I used to go once a week and I still try to go as much as I can but mm. you know work and everything it yeah. sometimes gets in the way and um so work there yeah. and that's located in the basement of the owner's house and he has it all set up. We have like a mess room. We have what was the mess room. The mess room was originally a wood storage. Space. No, no. What is a mess room? Mess room would be where we put our plaster, where we put anything that can create a huge mess. <laughs> okay. And plaster is one of those things. It goes okay. everywhere. Um, if we're doing a mold and it starts leaking, we'll just put it in there. So it has a safe space to leak out. Um, we have, some power tools we have sculpting tables painting spaces makeup table um 3d printer stand as well so mm. we have a couple of those so it's a really great space and it's a, it's a small space but it's all functional which is really quite lovely okay um and at neptune theater i work in the prop department there as well and so we have the basement at neptune all to ourselves and is a really cool space we have a lot of power tools there <laughs> and it's really fun well, um how so which of the two places do you start working at first? I started working um, yeah, at DevOFX oh, okay. a year and a half ago and then Neptune. I started at Neptune as a bartender and then I'd say about back in maybe it was like end of February, March, I started working in prop department. Oh, okay. Yeah, did the switch. <laughs> <laughs> That's a an interesting switch yeah. from, oh yeah, here's a drink to, you know, I build mm -hmm. that thing on the stage. Um, what, what, Productions, did you have you built stuff on for Neptune? For Neptune, I started with Mamma Mia and then I moved on to um, A Drunken God. And then it was sometimes just random projects pop up. So I think it was next after that was Argyle Street Kitchen Party. Mm. And that took place over the summer. And then most recently it was uh, Neptune Cinderella. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. That so, one was a blast. Cinderella was <laughs> so, really um, fun. <laughs> now, I mean, you do stuff at Devo and you do stuff at Neptune. That's kind of for work. When you mm -hmm. want to build your own project, do you use the space too? Mm -hmm. I, I'm allowed to use the spaces. I tend to probably drift more towards Devo effects. Mm -hmm. um, or, I mean, my own space at home. I try to make it work. But uh, Devo effects is kind of like a home to me. So, like... You have to sew, like, mm -hmm. with a machine, and then you have to build stuff with your hand, and you have yes. to use power tools. So, um, what was the learning process for those, like, for each one? Do you have to learn one at a time, or all at the same time? I mean, I guess, like, I growing up, my dad got me involved with a lot of projects around home, so I had some knowledge of how to use certain saws, certain hand tools, and... Then whenever a project kind of comes up where you need to have this skill, mm. then it's just that's the time to learn right then and there. You get thrown into it. <laughs> Either someone will show me how or YouTube has my back. Yeah, or I know, right? I'll call my mom and ask her how to do some sewing. <laughs> Whatever works. <laughs> <laughs> um, and which so you worked with Devil. But oh, yeah, actually, another question I want to ask. Mm -hmm. Here's one. When you're working on a project, there's the independent thing. You are kind of dealing with this section. But like I saw yesterday with the plaster, you had two people working kind of on one person at the same time. Yeah. How does that work? Do you just say, OK, I'm going to deal with this part and then you deal with that part or? It's all about teamwork, communication. When we're doing a live cast, we have to all be 
talking because mm. it also helps the actor who's in the chair know what's happening to him before senses get closed off. Like the ears, you can't hear what's happening anymore. You have to constantly be interacting because something could go wrong. Yeah. And so I think yesterday it was myself, Keith and Mark working on the head and we were just, I was on plaster bandage duty. I was mixing the allogenate. Mark was applying the allogenate, same with Keith, and then I would bring them fresh supplies. And it was just kind of like um, a factory lineup. We were just go, go, go. We need more of this, more of that. I need this. And like, all on top of it. Yeah, the time lapse was great. I kept trying mm-hmm. to pause. Okay, what is happening? Now? Oh, yeah. Okay, what is happening now? Well, it was fast, though, but it freaked me. I don't think I'd ever do that. No? Yeah, I don't think so. I think you could do that. No, I think, like, I, I, think <laughs> I mean, I don't think I have issues with sitting down mm-hmm. and chilling, but who not being able to see or hear stuff is going to freak mm-hmm. me out. But I guess, you know, if you think of the results, you can be whatever you want to yeah. create. Ah, but it's scary. Once it's done once, you <laughs> never have to do it again, though. <laughs> oh, it, ever? Ever. As oh. long as we keep that positive of the mold in good shape, oh. you never have to get your head done again. Oh, so just one time. Do you know, yeah. I guess this is what happened. So as a kid, right? Mm-hmm. I remember seeing the making of Michael Jackson's Chiller. Yes. Mark, my boss, Mark, actually watched the making of back to back over and over again. He, he loved it. <laughs> I, that was, that was, I think that was one of the first things that made me realize I want to make film. Yeah. <clears throat> so I watched that thing. It freaked me out. I'm like, I don't know, seven, whatever. Anyway, it freaked me out. <laughs> and then, um, and then I saw, okay, so I, the video was great. Everybody loved it. And then you see what goes behind it. Yes. And, I got super interested in it and like, uh, they build this whole thing and then it becomes that and he's doing this crazy dance, you know, because as a kid, I kept thinking the face is going to fall off. Yeah. It didn't. It didn't. <sighs> it's all that glue. <laughs> Just a lot I of glue. Know. I was like, oh my God, that's, that's pretty decent though. Mm-hmm. Um, but oh, here's the thing though. Being that um, you deal with props and stuff people hold, what do you think of CGI? Ooh, that's like, that's a really interesting discussion because I did actually a university lecture project on it. Ah. Um, um, so CGI and practical effects. I work in practical effects. Mm-hmm. I have no knowledge on how to do anything cgi mm-hmm. um but from my point of view um i think there's a way to marry both of them i think there's a way to use them both correctly together um a really great example of this would have been um in one of the newer star wars movies if you watch behind the scenes they had this character that was bringing this huge silicone uh, creature suit with a huge mask and everything and he could move he can move his mouth a bit however at the end they use cgi to help add some more facial expressions that the silicone was not able to do mm. but they still kept the suit they didn't go over everything they just added you know we're going to add an extra blink here we're going to add an extra lip curl here so in those cases i think it works really well mm. i think some um producers get a little carried away with cgi and with that issue, um, we we know when something isn't real. Mm. Our brains can pick up on the gravity in mm-hmm. a film. So if I were to throw this mug on the table across and hit the wall, it's going to shatter. It's going to break a certain way. And we're going to see it happen and know that it happened true to gravity. However, with CGI, it is extremely hard to get that absolutely perfect. And it's 
possibly near impossible to get it perfect and our brains can pick up on it. Mm. And that's why I always feel slightly a little off watching a movie that's completely CGI's because the gravity doesn't make sense to ah. what's happening. Okay. To record two, two years ago, yes. last year you were the girl with the bow with the warrior yes. thing. Aloy from Horizon Zero Dawn. Yes. How did that come about? That's just kind of a... Uh, it's very spontaneous. My brother was telling me about this video game, saying, you know, you should play it. You should try it. I love it. And I was kind of like, oh, yeah, okay, well, sometime, okay. And it went on sale, and I just bought it on a whim. And then I fell in love with the main character, head over heels, thought she was amazing. And um, once I beat the game, it was I knew automatically that that was going to be the project for next year. It was a big sewing project. I didn't really know how to do a lot of sewing. So I thought this is an opportunity to start learning how to become a better seamstress. And mm. there's a lot of prop work, a lot of foam armor, thermal plastics is just a mixed media project. And oh, she was a blast. Yeah, She's an yeah. absolute blast. And I like how you were pretty much taking your followers through the journey of building this armor and like when you got the like the i don't know what to call it but you built this little thing for the legs yes the, the like a uh, leather armor exactly. and the bigger pieces yeah how how long did that take to make um for the entire costume it took about nine months um just because there was a lot of detail work that mm. took a long time and the thing with um, the game creators, they're called uh, Gorilla Games, I do believe, made the game. They're all about detail with their costume design. When you zoom in on Aloy in the game, all of a sudden you realize, oh, everything's hand-stitched with this type of embroidery, and there's this detail here, and she has this and that. Her hair is has this bead in it. There's just so many little details that you have to pay attention to. And so just it just took so long. Everything took extra amount of time because there's so many fine details and um that was a big challenge was time for that one <laughs> and the bow and the bow was 3d printed actually um is my first 3d printed prop the file was originally bought by um the cosplayer called Kamu cosplay she built the bow then she put the file up for sale so i bought the file put it into my friend nathan's printer and we printed it together and he showed me how to finish it sand it paint it properly um which involved you know epoxy and a bunch of different materials and it actually works too yeah. not well but you can actually fire an arrow about two feet <laughs> <laughs> and how many pieces does a bow have oh man uh, the bow has about i want to say close to probably 30 pieces and then they all go together um, but truthfully, I lost so many pieces in the process that I had to keep pre-printing them because I like <laughs> wanted to slide underneath the sofa, one would go underneath the table. Oh, where's the piece? Let's reprint it. So I probably went through like 50 plus pieces to uh, make one how bow. How much time did you spend on just the bow? The bow. Oh my gosh. I thought originally making this bow was going to be a walk in the park because <laughs> originally my opinion was 3D printing's kind of easy, right? Yeah. It's kind of easy. It's not. It's really not. It was lengthy there were many moments where like i would make mistakes and had to restart some things and mm -hmm. the bow took a solid like two weeks of labor uh, yeah and like, printing time alone was how long i think to print the file was about 14 hours mm -hmm. i do believe and then it's just so many hours of sanding 
um, because the file, when you 3D print something, it has all these layer marks on it. You can see every single layer it took to make that one piece. Mm-hmm. And you have to sand it all the way to make it look nice and smooth. So it's just hours and hours, many late nights and... Yeah. So it was just you and Nathan that walked on the boat? It was myself and Nathan, yeah. He taught me how. Because he's used to 3D printing. It was all new to me. So it was that learning curve. And yeah, we were up late a few times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And how was the feedback at uh, Halcon? Good, good. A lot of people were very interested in the bow, especially because it did look like it worked. And when I posed for photos, I could draw it back and have it spring back to its shape. So. Mm-hmm. Photographers were super interested in it. Um, people want to take videos of it actually moving. moving yeah. yeah, it's really cool. Um, also, how it's put together, it's use, it uses um, bolts. So if I'm traveling somewhere, I can take the bolts out and, and it kind of collapses. Just... Yeah. I want to ask, uh, how do you think when it comes to art and creating stuff, um, the using social media, that social media aspect of it, is it good, bad? What's your thoughts on that? That's a really good question. Um, Social media is kind of a new thing for me with art. Um, I think in this day and age, social media is a really good tool to use to get your name out there. That's how, I mean, I got into connection with DevOFX. That's one way. Um, That's how some work has come in for me is because people find me on social media and they see my work and it gets shared. And it's really great in that sense, but it's also really important not to let it go to your head and hyper focus on the social media. How many likes you get per photo, how many followers. And there's been times where I've I've had to take a step away from it and kind of tell myself to relax, not think so much about it. I, you know, okay, well, I put so many hours into Aloy, I'm going to upload this picture I think is really cool. And then it doesn't get as many likes as I thought it was going to do. And it's very easy to get into this position of like beating yourself up. Because, mm-hmm. oh, my photo didn't get this many shares or likes. And, oh, it means I'm a bad artist. And blah, 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 blah. But it really doesn't. It really doesn't matter how many likes and stuff you get on it. And I think that's where social media can be bad for a lot of artists is because they can get um, caught up in it. Mm. Um, but I think um, it is a good tool at the same time, just about not overusing it, not thinking so hard into it and getting carried away. Yeah. And talking about getting carried away, the other thing I see, I see art like therapy for me, uh, like when I'm in a bad headspace, creating kind of centers me. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the things, <clears throat> like late, a few weeks ago, a friend um, died by suicide, and he's an artist. And it, it's it, it's shocking when that happens, right? Mm-hmm. Um, how do you think, in your opinion, we could use art to help more people, especially going through mental challenges? That's a really good topic because um, I will talk about DevOFX again. At DevOFX, um, we actually offer a sculpting program there for veterans of PTSD. Where veterans can go and sculpt for free with Mark and it's a really good space to kind of relax and get out of a bad mind space in an environment that's very calming accepting you're using your hands it's very hands-on it's involving and it's it really helps you being creative and I think that's at DevFX, but we can bring that into many schools more um, high schools more programs offered around the city too of drop-in nights that are free, but I mean free or affordable. Yeah. 
where you go in and just try something new, I think it's really important. And there's been studies done to show how important it is to be hands-on and doing craft and how it is um, so important for mental health. Yeah, yeah, you know, actually, when you just mentioned that, I think it just came full circle. I remember who he is. Um, a few years ago, I watched a movie. I can't remember the title now, but it had uh, this monster. And it was like the monster is supposed to represent the... PTSD this military guy was going through yes. and he he's with his friends like his family mm-hmm. sorry uh, but he's somewhere else right? right so he he goes to buy meat but he's in his head he's like where people are dying and 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 I think it's Mark mm-hmm. that actually well a friend of mine directed it but it was yeah. really kind of about Mark and Mark builds this thing this yeah, huge monster yeah um hmm, what's the title of the film anyway the guy that acted in that film I, I mean once i saw him i knew i wanted to work with him mm-hmm. and then i reached out to him about this film i was working on i was like ah oh, yeah sure he's gonna do it and it was great and i think what mark is doing is really really commendable because mm-hmm. we need things like this we do yeah. yeah i mean for example one the rsi really um, looked up to um, her name was Mary E. Black, and she was one of the first artists to introduce um, art therapy into hospitals uh, for vet, you know people coming back from the war with PTSD. Um, that was originally called shell shock. Um, also for the um, where they call the sanatoriums for people with tuberculosis when people would have to go there to be quarantined as they went through TB. My grandfather being one of them. She actually introduced leather work and craft work into these hospitals. So when you're there, you know, 15 plus months, you learn a craft and it helps keep you occupied. Mm. And it really helped the patients go through that that time, no matter if it's tuberculosis or you're in the hospital dealing with mental health, at home dealing with mental health, wherever it is, having something to do that stimulates your your body, your mind. It's really important. I agree. Um, so... And what keeps you going? What keeps me going? Yeah. Um, well, that's an interesting question. I got to think about that now. Um, I think I'm, I've been described as intense before. <laughs> I've been described as intense because I go after things. And originally when someone called me intense, I took offense to it. Mm. I was really not happy with being called that. But then I realized it was because I'm very motivated. I'm very, I want to do this. I want to just do it. Stop saying you're going to do it and just do it. Mm-hmm. And I think it's just looking back and remembering that when I was called intense, I didn't like it at first. But then I realized it was really good to be called intense. That's not a bad thing at all. I was just passionate about what I was doing. And I really like um, also just encouraging other people to try stuff and pushing them and kind of like practice what you preach. If I'm teaching a class to someone art, you know, I got to tell them to keep pushing themselves. I got to remember to do that for me too. Mm. And just remembering to push yourself and things don't happen if you don't make them happen. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to end it on that. Thanks very much for coming in today. Thank you for having me.